What does HBCUs moving up to the FBS level even look like? The XFL showcase at Jackson State was a great event whose success is to be determined. And you can actually tell a lot about these swag teams based on who they're inviting to media day. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean the journey is over. You can follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. In LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Now, Deion Sanders said something really big discussing realignment and HBCUs moving to the FBS level. He said that the XFL showcase and I had to bring in friend of the show, Mo Carter, to discuss just what that move would possibly mean. Coach Sanders said that Jackson State is already discussing realignment what do you believe that those conversations are sounding like well darian i definitely believe that jackson state is having those discussions however i will also say this back in the summer of 2020 swat commissioner dr charles mcclellan first gave an idea that he and his executive staff which includes the athletic directors and the presidents we're not only considering realignment, and this was right after Florida AM was added to the mix, and also basically saying that there's a plan in place to basically elevate the SWAC to an FBS level when it comes to football. He also can kind of, well, think about it like this. If you know Dr. Charles McClellan, you also know that he wants to make sure that the framework is done exclusively, which also means that it's kind of like an all for one, one for all per se. So I think all in all, they're having conversations across the board. It just so happened that Coach Deion Sanders spoke upon his own entire team, yet he didn't mention any other teams. But I really think when you look at the total picture, I think the conversation across the board is that all teams are in some way, shape, or form trying to talk about how the SWAT can move forward with all this. So are you telling me that you believe, just for clarification, now, when Jackson State head coach Deion Sanders says we're discussing realignment, he means Jackson State, but also the SWAC as a whole. Absolutely. I absolutely think that, especially since the SWAC commissioner has said that they he had a, what an eight to 10 year plan to try to elevate the entire conference to the F. BS level. So ideally, I think all in all, the executive board, which will include um, Coach Sanders, athletic director and Ashley Robinson and their president. Yeah, they've all been having certain talks or whatever. Now, do I think they're having individual talks with other other entities? I can't really speak on that or whatever. It's going to kind of be more of a hearsay here or there. But as far as like the swag in general, I think for sure that they are all trying to figure out how to make all this happen in the years to come. 
Now, you said eight to 10 year plan. It's been two years since that statement was made. Jackson State, he mentioned that a few other schools are also having these conversations. So let's just throw a Jackson State, FAMU, Grambling, Southern in there when talking about SWAC teams. Do you believe they're going to be patient enough to wait that eight to 10 year time span? I think they can be patient if they all consider the one for all and all for one ordeal. However, you have to think about this and I got to pull my notes out for, for you on this one. So uh, after doing a little research and also talking to some individuals, obviously the NCAA governing board, they've got to approve uh, whether it's a new conference or new conference members. And remember, if you're trying to go elsewhere, you need that invite. Now, another thing to keep uh, keep in in the idea of this is timing. Expansion usually happens around the end of a contract or expectations to play a role when it comes to all that. So obviously, too, I'll be honest with you, uh, I still think they're kind of slowly trying to make this happen or whatever. And I say that because think about it. We just had um, some FCS teams make their way up or make the announcements knowing that they were going to the FBS or whatever, especially with Conference USA and Sunbelt. I really, really think that if things would have been in the perfect sense, you could have possibly seen some of those teams possibly go to those conferences I just mentioned as part of the, you know, the G5s and whatnot, but the timing just wasn't there. But for the future, who knows what's to happen or whatever, especially with the increased population of HBCU athletics, especially among the schools you just mentioned. And obviously um, some good athletics that are just being played across the board, especially in football. Now, if we're talking individuals, right, let's let's take ourselves away from the idea of the SWAC moving up as a conference. If you had to pick a, a school or maybe a couple of schools that you felt could move up to the FBS soon-ish, who would it be? And that includes North Carolina A&T and Hampton. That includes them as well. Not just talking SWAC, not just talking MEAC, but talking about all HBCUs on the FBS, FCS level currently. All right. So if we're talking about that. All right. Um, I'm going to use a kind of a combination of what I see as far as athletic progress, enrollment and also funding. So okay. with all that being said, here's some of the schools I would definitely could see when I use that combination. Prairie View A&M, Southern University, Grambling, Jackson State, Florida A&M, Alabama State, North Carolina A&T. Okay, And I say all those schools because they have a good combination of on the field performance, decent enrollments, increasing enrollments, and also funding standpoint and also just the brands of everything. Now, the other thing you have to think about, too, is just like the athletic funding. Those will continue to play a key part. And of course, some schools, you know, they take the student fees to kind of help with the athletic funding, while others have the opportunity to build athletic funding through outside entities like sponsorships and also, um, you know, endowments and things of that nature. So, yeah, those are the schools I would definitely say probably have the upper hand from an HBCU standpoint. If they weren't going to go to the FBS, and if I had to go in and add another one, I'd probably say Tennessee State as well, just because they're kind of in that, that odd range of things. But 
Eddie George is making things happen both on and off the field for that program. As a matter of fact, I just talked to one of his former teammates the other day, Eddie Robinson Jr., the head coach now of Alabama State University, and he said that he is very, very impressed with what Eddie has been able to do for that program in Nashville, on top of the fact that the city of Nashville loves Eddie. Now Eddie's trying to get the city of Nashville to show some more love to Tennessee State. Right, so... You spoke on financials, and I've heard a couple of people say when you move up, that's when the money really starts coming in. And I just want somebody who's a little bit more educated on that business side of it than I am. Is there any truth in that, or is that something that that's a risky game that you would kind of avoid playing? First of all, I'll say it, it is risky. It is absolutely risky. But there are benefits in the long term, sometimes short term of it. First benefit, for instance, let's say – you know, any one of those schools, whatever, moved up to the FBS level. All right. The first thing that becomes a change is let's say they play a money game. All right. Guarantees usually right now for FBS, uh, excuse me, for FBS versus FCS games for the FCS teams are somewhere between 450000 to 600000 Every once in a while you hear something a little bit above 700000 for some spaces. You get to become an FBS level uh, it's like part of a G5, those guarantees now go up to like 1.2, 1.3 million. Example I'll use a few years ago, Troy went to Baton Rouge, upset LSU for their homecoming, and got over $1.5 million. Troy is a smaller FBS program in a G5 conference. So if any one of the HBCUs that I mentioned or whatever in that standpoint were able to do that, yeah, their guarantee is definitely going to go up from there. Another thing you have to also think about, too, is depending on the situation when it comes to conferences, obviously there would be additional um, bowl opportunities. Um, you know, let's say, I don't know, let's say the SWAC makes their move to FBS. And they keep the celebration bowl, however they decide to go ahead and, and, and play it out. I'm not going to tell you who they're going to play. I'm just going to say this being kept. So all of a sudden, you can send your champ to the celebration bowl. You can probably send your runner-up to, I don't know, Lending Tree Bowl down in Mobile, which pays about a million dollars. You can send maybe the third-place team to Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, which pays close to a million dollars. And then, I don't know, maybe the New Orleans Bowl might also have a tie-in as well. So all of a sudden, that's four bowl games in which those four individual teams and programs not only make money, but then the conference also makes money as well. But I also have to play devil's advocate to this, too. You also have to remember, moving from FCS to FBS means that you have to fund about 22 more scholarships, which I know for some schools, it probably won't be a problem or whatever. But for some, you have to find some sort of plan that's going to work out in the best way to make all that happen. So there are caveats on both sides or whatever. But if you work it out correctly, it can definitely be something. But you have to put the work in. It's just not one of those things where it's like you get there and it's going to be given to you. I appreciate you, Mo, coming on the show, as always, dropping gems and educating me on the financial and business side of all of this. Till the next time, my guy, salute you. Yes, sir. Much appreciation to my guy, Mo, coming on the show. I appreciate every time he comes on because I walk away feeling a lot smarter and feel like I know a lot more about the situation. And that's why we bring him on. And that's why we're going to bring him on again. Don't worry about it. He will be back on the show. Going forward, we're going to be talking about the XFL showcase, but 
more than just Deion Sanders' comments. We're going to talk about how it was a great event, but the success of it is to be determined. I'll tell you both why it was great, but the success of it is still up in the air. But first, I want to tell you about LinkedIn because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn jobs make it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. I know people who have reached out because these jobs go both ways. You can reach out to people and they can reach out to you. So you have people who are interested in you as well as people you're interested in. Create a free job post in minutes. Make sure you add the purple hiring frame hashtag to reach your network and beyond because over 810 million people use LinkedIn jobs. These simple tools like six, like screening questions will help you weed out the people that don't really fit what you want versus the people who are perfect matches. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Hey, did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post a job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. I repeat, that is linkedin.com slash locked on college. And make sure you have the purple hashtag hiring frame. Terms and conditions do apply. As we keep rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And remember that our top 50 NFL players who move the line more than anybody else when it comes to betting has dropped today, July 18th. And this comes directly from the odds makers at BetOnline. You can find this on the Locked on NFL podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and YouTube. Today's word of the day is finicky, meaning very particular in taste or standards. We just got done talking to Mo Carter about the comments that Deion Sanders made about HBCUs moving up in the FBS into the FBS. That happened at the XFL Showcase. That was not and will not be the only story to come from the XFL Showcase. I think what we need to focus on is the fact that this showcase was a great event. The success of this event will be determined. Now, this doesn't take away in any kind of way, and I'm going to tell you why I think it was such a great event in a second. I just want to say that we might not know the success of this for months, but we should watch and not just forget, but actually watch it. See how successful this event becomes when the XFL starts playing within their season. Now, I'll tell you why I think that this was a great event before I go into greater detail about that. This is a great event, and I really do appreciate what The Rock and what the XFL are actually doing, and that's giving an opportunity to players who don't usually get that opportunity on a professional level. See, they've been going with their traveling showcase and it doesn't look desperate at all. It says that they're looking for talent in everywhere. We're not just looking for talent in the SEC schools or the ACC Big Ten schools. We're not just looking for players who used to play collegially there and didn't make it into the league. We're looking for players everywhere. HBCUs, we know there's not a lot of them in the NFL. We talked about this. This is locked on HBCU. You know, there's not a lot of Polynesian players either. There's not a lot of players from the islands, not a lot of players from Hawaii. Like that is another place that that showcase went. And I think that it's good because it tells you that they're progressive. It tells you that they're intentional with who they're trying to look at. And I don't mean in a sense where, oh, these are the groups who don't get to play in the NFL this is all that's going to make up our league. No, it's just the fact that, hey, 
these players, these groups seemingly have routinely been skipped over. We're not going to make that mistake. We're going to give them the opportunity to showcase all of their talent and everything that they can do so that they have an equal opportunity compared to other people. And when I'm looking at the partnership between the XFL and Jackson State, specifically because that's where it was, it was on Jackson State's campus, it's a win-win to me. It is a win-win because the profile of HBCUs is on an upward trajectory right now. And ultimately, there's really nothing bigger in HBCUs at the moment than Deion Sanders, the force that he is, the ability to get things done, the ability to shake things up and bring notice in a way that we have not seen recently. And I'm not even just speaking about the recruiting. I'm speaking about the fact that people watch Deion Sanders no matter what, and now Deion Sanders is at an HBCU. That's what I mean. You add in the rock to that formula, there's going to be so many cameras there. There are going to be so many cameras. So if you were going to partner with any HBCU to have it on that campus, it would make sense that Deion Sanders is there. And of course, if Deion Sanders is going to be there, you might as well do it on Jackson State's campus as well. That's just the most logical thing to do. So with that being the case, Deion Sanders, The Rock, two big stars. Now you have a lot of cameras there, ESPNs there. You have all, you have all the interviews. We see these things in ways that honestly, I don't think you're getting if it's just one of the two. Having both of them, especially probably Deion Sanders because he's the actual athlete in this, um, it's a big deal. It is a supremely big deal, but that brings me to the other side of the win because I said it's a win-win. So where's the one win? We see how it's a win for the XFL because it brings in more attention, more notoriety, but it's a win for the athletes because cameras, exposure, platform, opportunity, all of those things come with the original win. All those things come with having the Rock and Deion Sanders on one, on one field at the moment. All of those things are going to come to the players, but let's forget about the first three. Let's focus on the opportunity because that's what this is all about. If there was no cameras there, if there was nobody, no publicity, none of that, you're still getting an opportunity to showcase your talent and be able to play professional ball. I'm going to keep saying professional because the NFL is not the only place to play pro ball, pro ball anymore. You have the USFL, the XFL, and these things shouldn't matter. These things should be acknowledged as professional football. I understand it's not the most high, but it definitely is pro ball. It's not semi-pro. So let's acknowledge it as such, right? Now, that's why, that's why I believe this is a big deal, because now you're having players who can maybe go play at, well, they haven't announced the venues yet, but they can go play professional ball and be on national television and still either A, play the game they love, or B, play the game they love in a way to get up to the NFL. I saw this with P.J. Walker, who played his way into an NFL contract. So why am I questioning the success of this showcase? It seems to be all good. You got The Rock, Deion Sanders, cameras, exposure, platforms. You got the opportunity to play professional ball again. Why am I even questioning this? It's not what the event represents. All of those things are what the event represents. To me, success is transforming this from being a showcase of talent in shirts and shorts to being a showcase of talent in pads, in cleats, in helmets. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for actually transforming this into something. The HBCU Combine was a great event. That was a phenomenal event. How many of those players are still on NFL rosters today? And listen, I understand that not everybody at that roster is an NFL or everybody on that 
on that combine roster was an NFL player. I get it. I'm not trying to say that every single person was going to be there. I'm not trying to say that everybody from this showcase should be in the XFL. I'm not trying to say that we should be the, the majority in the XFL. I'm just saying that if the XFL comes in, and I understand that coaches can be finicky. They can go with the SEC prospect that they've seen in college. I could see how HBCU players, though getting that invite to the draft, though being in this showcase, they could still get skipped over. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so happy that Reggie Barlow is there because with Barlow being a coach, you have at least one person who does not doubt that HBCU players have talent. However, you can't expect him to draft a strictly HBCU roster. If he doesn't, don't call him a sellout because that's not what this is. That's just unrealistic. There, there needs to be coaches outside of Barlow who also take that opportunity. So I want to end on that because it's minor. I, I, I want to make sure that the main point is that this was a great event. The success to be determined, that might be a bigger point later on, months down the line. So to wrap up, let's just get one thing clear. I'm not ungrateful. I think that this is a great event. The success will be determined in the future. And we'll leave it at that. But I'm extremely happy and glad that The Rock and the XFL are reaching out to groups of players who typically do not get the exposure and do not get the opportunity to shine in professional ball, such as the Polynesians and such as HBCU players, to actually have an opportunity to play in the XFL. I think this is great. Hats off to him, and I salute for sure. Going forward, we're going to be talking about the attendees at SWAC Media Day because we are opening up into SWAC media week here at locked on hbcu we're gonna see if we can tell a little something something based off of the people who each school decided to bring to media day before we get into that let me tell you about bet online because bet online has you covered this season with all the odds all the props all the lines you name the sport and they have it it's really that simple they had you covered for the NHL playoffs. They have you covered for the MLB. They had you covered for the NBA playoffs. They're going to have you covered for the NFL or the NBA going into 2023. They're going to have you covered all around. If you need information, they have podcasts. They're going to break things down. They want you to win. They want you to win money. Go get the over-unders on the NFL season going forward. I need I keep going back and forth thinking, do I want to put down money on the Saints? I know they're going to win more than eight and a half games. I'm conservative sometimes. You don't be as conservative as I. Go put that money down on your favorite team. Say if they're going to win more games, less games, they're going to win their division. Maybe they win the conference, even take it all the way to the Super Bowl. You can take it any way that you want to. Just make sure you're taking it there on Bet Online because they are the fastest and easiest. Way to wage on all of your favorite sports, Bet Online, where the game starts. <laughs> Wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU and kick off our Swipe Media Week coverage. Mind you, Swipe Media Week is not a thing. It's a term that we have to say that we're going to be breaking down Swipe Media Day all week this week. So it's a one-day event. It's going to be on Thursday. But today, Monday, we're previewing a list of players who are going to be coming on at Swipe Media Day because each team has to bring in two players and a coach. The coach is the coach. That's a non-story. Doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to get there. You're going to get what you're going to get from them. But the coaches are not going to be the only people there. You're also going to have two players who they actually made a concentrated decision on who they're going to bring. And let's see if the list of attendees actually makes a difference or actually gives us something to look forward to. 
Now, Alabama A&M has Abdul Fatai Ibrahim and Gary Quarles. Alabama State is bringing in D. Davis and Urshad Davis. Alcorn State has C.J. Bowler and then K.J. Kinsler. And then Bethune-Cookman has Kamari Averett and Omari Hill-Robinson. Florida A&M is bringing in Isaiah Land and Xavier Smith. Gremlin has Tyler Thomas and then Joshua Reed. Sh uh, Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter will be representing Jackson State, while Caleb Johnson and Ronnie Thomas are going to be representing Mississippi Valley State. T uh, Trazon Conley and then Trevion Green will be representing Prairie View. Southern has Dallas Black and then Cameron Peterson. Texas Southern has QB1, A <laughs> Andrew Body, and then also D. Anderson. And then University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff has Skylar Perry and then also Mark Evans II. The first thing that jumps off to me from that list, and we're going to actually break down the list now. That's just a read-through. We're not going to do that again. But one thing that jumps off to me is every team, for the most part, has an offensive player and they have a defensive player. There's two teams who break that mold, and that's UAPB, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and then also Alabama A&M. Now, what that tells me, because they're both bringing in only offensive players, what that tells me is that the coach and the people within feel as if this is probably going to be an offensive team. That's going to be the identity of the team. And it's not in any way to slight the defense. But to me, when I look at media days from all the conferences, the players that you bring to me tell me, A, these are the people you want to be the spokesperson of your team. So they're going to be the spokesperson of the team. Obviously, they're probably leaders, probably captains. But then also it tells me what you think about your squad. Because if you're bringing in two offensive, excuse me, if you're bringing in two offensive players, then you're likely feeling like you're an offensive team. This is what you feel like your team is. And it doesn't mean that the offense can't be better if you bring an offensive player and a defensive player. But if you're not bringing in a defensive player, I think it speaks volumes, not talent-wise, but just the identity of the squad. And I guess that in a way that kind of makes sense because when you look at how these teams fared last year, they were both at the bottom of the conference when it came to defensive rankings. Neither one of these teams were really good when it came defensively. So if there's going to be two teams in the conference who are going to say, hey, we're not going to bring any defenders, offense is going to be our identity this year, I would see it being Alabama A&M and then also University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, I will say that I was kind of surprised at them not bringing in Monroe Beard III. I, I, I will say that when it came to Arkansas Pine Bluff because they have a defender that did make second team all swack last year. They do have a pretty good defender in him. But I guess you bring the quarterback who I think the quarterback is half of the half of the people coming are quarterbacks. When you look at most of the teams are bringing their quarterback and then a defender and those who aren't bringing a quarterback, for the most part, you kind of understand why. And we'll get into that in a second. So I thought you could have brought maybe uh, the quarterback and then bring in Monroe. But I guess when you have the eighth most uh, anticipated offensive line, lineman returning in the FCS, it does make some sort of sense to bring in him because this is arguably the best player on your team. The only player to get first team all swag from your school last year. So it makes sense to bring in Mark Evans. Now, like I said about those quarterbacks, most almost half of the players coming in on the offensive side of the ball are quarterbacks. Almost every team is bringing in a quarterback, five of the, of the 12 teams. So I guess almost half. So when you list off the quarterbacks that you're going to be bringing in, you're going to be looking at Skylar Perry, Andrew Body, Trazon Conley, Shador Sanders, and then D. Davis. Let's start off at the end of that list. D. Davis is the starting quarterback for Alabama State. 
if there was ever any question about what the battle was going to look like, because when he brought when he got brought in, I assumed he was going to be the starter. But this is confirmation of that assumption is that D. Davis is your starting quarterback for the Alabama State team. It's just confirmed now. You're not bringing in a guy who you question if he's going to be your starter. D. Davis is your starter. This is confirmation of that. That's important. And I believe that if you're going into a year with a first year quarterback, you should do this. You should step out and have him be the face of your swag media day. Because like I said, this reveals who you believe the spokesperson for your team is. This reveals the leaders. And if you're going to be talking about a quarterback, let's get all the way behind him and say, this is our guy. There's some, there's some schools in there that didn't do that. Ramblin didn't do that. And I believe that's because they might not have decided on who's going to be their quarterback yet. Southern didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Prairie View did that. I seen an interview from months ago, though, saying that Conley was going to be the quarterback for Prairie View. So when you're moving on from past to now Conley, it makes sense to have Conley be the face of your swipe media day. That just makes sense logically. So let's keep moving forward. And a school like FAMU doesn't apply because they know their quarterback. Even if they have a quarterback battle, Xavier Smith is one of the most exciting players in the conference. I believe that FAMU not bringing their quarterback is more likely because they just want to showcase Xavier Smith and not even talking about the quarterback battle. I don't even know if it's really a controversy for real. I think it's somebody's job to lose, <laughs> but we'll see how that goes. And then lastly, Jackson State. Um, this is just a confirmation of what Jackson, or more so Deion Sanders, because this news came out first. Deion Sanders just further cemented why he brought in Shador Sanders and then Travis Hunter to Swag Media Day. There was a quote where you've seen on video, I, I believe it was the 1400 Club that had this quote, he told everybody on that team, you got to fight for your spot. There's only two players who are guaranteed a spot when it comes to this roster in 2022, and that is Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders. Nobody else is guaranteed a spot. Not strong words, but look at who the two players here for Jackson State are. Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter. Now, Travis Hunter is listed as a wide receiver slash defensive back just to add to the most multiplicity and then also the versatility in his game. So – Expect to see him a lot on each side of the ball. And I'm sure they'll ask about how much he'll be able to play on each side of the ball. But these are the two players who are the cornerstones, and they are the people who are building the foundation for Jackson State. And that doesn't mean everybody else is scrubs, but it means that everybody else, you want to fight for your spot. Everybody, Nobody else is guaranteed a thing except for Travis Hunter and Shadour Sanders. On Wednesday's episode, we're going to continue talking. This is SWAC Media Week, and I'm going to tell you what I'm looking out for. What I believe that you should be expecting when it comes to Swag Media Day on Thursday. And of course, on Friday, we'll actually break down what happens on Thursday. Now, I appreciate you making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your, for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out the other conference shows here on the Locked On Network. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.